You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. Discover how the Holy Spirit empowers us to operate on signs and wonders. In this message by Pastor Shadi Solomon. Today as we are uh, gathered here, we are privileged to have a uh, speaker here. We do have one of our pastors from North America who's here. You know, I've known Pastor Shadi for about a little bit more than five years, 2010. And uh, I was privileged to visit his church in uh, Lake Mary in Florida. He is a, a senior pastor of our Every Nation Church in uh, uh, Lake Mary. How many of you have been to uh, Florida? Anyone here? A dynamic church. And when he planted that church uh, about five or more than five years ago, uh, he actually corrected me earlier that he started with 15 people. Everybody say one five, 15. Everybody say 15. And right now, the church is growing to more, a little bit over 600 people. How many of you know that is the work of God? Amen. And, uh, you know, I believe that Pastor Shadi's church uh, is one of the fastest growing churches in uh, the every nation world, that we, uh, particularly in North America. Uh, he's very passionate when it comes to preaching. He's also very funny. Uh, he's got a heart to reach out to uh, the Muslims, the Arab people. And I believe that God has a message for all of us. Let's all welcome right now, with a victory alabang welcome, Pastor Shadi Salaman. Woo! Thank you. It's an honor and privilege to be with you here again. Well, I was here last time, 2010. It was the World Conference, and uh, that was my first time meeting Pastor Ariel and Shirley. The privilege to see what God is doing here in Alabama, and this amazing, amazing work that God is doing right here. Actually, I was amazingly inspired by you guys. I am married to Amy. For the last 24 years of my life, I've been married to the same woman, praise God. You know, that's, that's not, not, you're laughing, this is not common in the U.S. anymore, you know. You've been married to the same woman for 24 years? Yes, one more years will be quarter of a century. Yeah. Same woman, you know, praise God. And we have three boys, Jonathan is 16, thank you, and uh, Luke, Jonathan is 16 and he's six, almost 6'3". Six, 238 pounds, and I know I'm in trouble when he looked at me one day, and he was standing right next to me, he says, Daddy, I see your bold spot. <laughs> you know, when you're above, you could see everything. He's, he's over me, towering over me. Uh, Luke is 15, and Mike is 10, and he thinks he's 30. Praise God. You know, God blessed me in an amazing way. And we planted the church. God did amazing thing. I'm going to tell you some amazing thing that God's been doing. But I am privileged to be part of this amazing series that you're on, Behind the Scenes. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, you guys talked about the power of the Holy Spirit produce a changed life that praises God. The power of the Holy Spirit to change us inside out that cause us to praise God. Today, we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit that makes something out of you that you can't be on your own. You know what that is? The power of the Holy Spirit that will make you a miracle worker. How many miracle workers in the house? How many of you, you believe you're a miracle worker? Let me see here. Okay, one, two, these, these, they already heard the message. Three, four, five, six, okay. So there's few miracle workers. I'm glad there's few miracle workers. You know, every single one of us want to be a miracle worker. You know, everybody want to be a miracle worker somehow. But actually, that's what the Holy Spirit have a plan for me and you. To actually be a miracle 
worker. Even if you're not a miracle worker, sometimes you want to fake it. <laughs> Act like a miracle worker. I mean, you play with your kids and you hide this, you know, stuff. You try to do magic tricks to them. And, you know, very quick they grow older and they figure out what you're doing. You know, uh, I went to college to play soccer with a guy from Nigeria. And I, I came to the States on a soccer scholarship. And, and this guy who was from Nigeria, we're the only two African people in this, you know, part of uh, Florida that not many African people are there. You know, but he was very black, you know. He's from Nigeria, very black with big eyes and white teeth. So now... Sam was one of these people that very easily, very easily to believe anything. You could tell him anything, he believes you. You know, he's just one of these people that are very nice. Now, to keep in mind, that was 1990. Now, in 1990, around that era, a lot of stores in Florida start installing these automatic doors that open by itself. That was a new invention. I, I, I know to you, some of you look at me, really? Yeah, that was an invention back then. Yeah, some of you were not even born in 1990. What are you talking about? Okay, so anyway, so 1990, you know, they invented these new doors that automatically opened. And Sam was a guy of a great faith. He always talked about faith. So we decided we're going to challenge him. So we took him to the grocery store where they have these automatic doors. I said, now, Sam, we want to see you if you're really a man of faith like you say you are. So if you are truly man of faith, you will stand right here and you will say to that door, be open in the name of Jesus. That door should obey you. <laughs> wow. Sam says, you should try. You should not try the Lord your God like that. Oh, no, we're not trying the Lord your God. We're trying you to see if you really have faith. You should stand in front of the door. He said, be open in the name of Jesus. That door should obey you. Well, Sam kind of like felt pressure. So he stayed there and he started praying and you know, and looking at the door and trying, you know, to open the door. I said, bro, you don't have much of faith. Move out. Just move out of the way. You know, and back then, there's a mat. They put that mat right in front of the door. If you step on the mat, the camera sees you open the door. So, you know, got up there, says, watch this, Sam. You don't have to pray too hard. This is what you do. He says, in the name of Jesus, be open. And the door goes, ah. you know. And Sam's, when he's surprised, he goes, ah, you know, he goes like this, and his eyes get very white and very big, and his teeth, he goes, yeah, you know, he scares me every time he does that. And he's like, ah, you know, that's, that's amazing, hallelujah, glory to God. You know, he was dancing, shouting for joy. See, even when you don't think you're a miracle worker, you will like to be one. How many of you like to be a miracle worker? So, you know, that was a great, great way to just be a miracle worker. The truth is this, today we're talking about Peter, that he was an actual miracle worker. The passage we're about to read, it talks about a guy that did something amazing. Now, most people that knew Peter looked at him from the outside and says, you know, he's not capable of much. Most of us really, we don't believe we're miracle workers because you look to yourself from the outside and says, you know what, there's, there's no miracle in me. There's not much I could do. How many of you know you should not judge from the outside? Right? See, we're coming from Orlando. We flew to New York. And at the Philippines airline, we saw a bunch of people running to get autograph from this one guy. I, I don't know if you know him. I'm going to throw the picture up there, see if you know him. You know? <laughs> so we came across this guy, and everybody says, Manny, Manny. You know, people signing autograph. Now, I remember Pastor Rice and Pastor Steve tweeted that they were doing purple book with him so you know i said you know what 
Tom, you know, a friend of mine traveling with me. I said, let's talk to him. So we went. He says, Manny, I'm Shadi Solomon. Or we're going to the Philippines. I'm a good friend with Rice Brooks and Steve Morrow. He says, yeah, Victory Church. I said, yeah, Victory Church, you know. Now could we travel with you at first class? But anyway, so um, <laughs> I got my arm around him, and I went right behind him. That guy's little. I'm bigger than him. I mean, like, this guy's little. And Tom looked at me and said, don't be fooled. He is little. But if a fight break out right now, he will take us all out. <laughs> you know, don't ever be fooled with how little the guy is. See, the problem is we have this, this habit of judging ourselves based on what you see. But really it's not what you see. It's what power operates in you that determine what you can do. And what we see here in the passage we're about to read, something dynamic takes place. That right after the fall of the Holy Spirit over the disciples, something took place that transformed the world we live in. Until today, we're still talking about it. That this bunch of people that that looked like ordinary people from the outside became miracle workers. And it changed everything about the existing of the world we live in. So how many of you believe you're a miracle worker? Okay, there's more hands than last time, okay? All right, we're going to keep trying this. Here's the passage we're going to talk about. The passage in Acts 5. Acts 5, 12, it says this. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them. But the people did what? Held them in high esteem. Why? Because they saw the power of God interacting through them. And this is what was going on. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats. That as Peter's come by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and all those who are afflicted with unclean spirits. Watch this verse. This is an amazing verse. It says this. And they were all... You know, the word all here in this in original text in the Greek, the word all means all. Like all. That, yeah. Why are you looking at me like, yeah, it meant all. Would you believe this? They brought people from all over town. They start laying them in the streets. And when Peter went by, his shadow healed the sick. And the Bible says that all of them were healed. Think about that. All of the people were healed. What is going on? The truth is this. Right before that, Peter and John in chapter 4 did something that caused them great grief. They were going in a temple. They saw a crippled guy sitting by the gates called Beautiful. They healed this guy. He was begging for money. He says, you know what? We don't have money, but you know what? We could do something greater than money. Why don't you get up? And the guy got up, and, and he went with, with them into the temple. And when the guy went with them into the temple, something took place. All the teachers of the law got mad because they brought this guy in. So something took place here. They got arrested. They got a bad beating that day. They beat the daylight out of them. He says, never again proclaim that name Jesus. Do you understand? Now, even the apostles were shaking by that threat. 
So the Bible says that the believer gathered around and prayed for boldness. Yeah. Prayed for what? Boldness that they will proclaim the name of Jesus with no fear. And now boldness grew into the disciples to the point that they start proclaiming the name of Jesus all over again. And the power of God start supporting that. The power of God start backing that up to the point that people were getting healed left and right. Something we can learn from this. Here's what we can learn. The early church understood their part. They played their part and let the Holy Spirit do his part. The early church learned their job is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to their friends and to the world. And the Holy Spirit's part was to back the gospel with signs and wonders. So there's a partnership here between two. There's one proclaiming the gospel and there is the Holy Spirit that caused signs and wonder to prove that the gospel is truth. And now the disciples learned something. If we proclaim the gospel of Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that worked in us today. And as this power comes through us, signs and wonders will take place. Now they did not run around and chasing signs and wonders. See, signs and wonders does one thing. Signs and wonders cause people to change direction. But what really changed the heart of man is not signs and wonders. What changed the heart of man is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the book of Romans, it says that there is power in the gospel of Jesus that have the power to do what? To change the heart of man. And now signs and wonders cause people to turn around and it changed direction and the gospel, it changed their heart. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold in proclaiming the gospel. Our role is to proclaim the gospel. Now the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim the gospel and signs and wonder will follow. And that's how we change the world. One place. Listen, could you imagine? Let, let, let's try that question again. How many of you, you believe you are a miracle worker? Now more hands going up. What, what, what? How, how has that changed? Let's try that again. How many of you believe you're a miracle worker? A lot more hands. Okay, if I keep doing that all night. Some of you. Okay, what's taking place is the power of the resurrection became accessible to anybody allowed themselves to be a channel for God to move through them. Just like the Holy Spirit looking today for people that he want to move through. See, in 2010, we planted the church in April. Easter 2010, we started the church. We started with 15 people. I have no idea what I was doing. 15 people. And we got an auditorium that seats 850 people. And I said, I got faith, man. I'm the man of faith, you know. We're going to fill it up. The problem is... We're in a town called Lake Mary, Florida, that, you know, a very fluent town. People, most of people are wealthy, and they have a lot of education, so they don't think they need God. You know, if you have money and have education, who needs God? So that was the situation. So now we have 15 people in the auditorium that seats 850. You know what we look like? We look like ants that claim on the, in, 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 the, in the side of a Coke bottle and the, the whatever. Anyway. <laughs> We look very little. That's what it is. You know, we look like people come in the auditorium and says, I, I thought there's a church here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Close your eyes. You see down there? 
Yeah, that's a church right there. There's 15 people there. So it was very depressing. I was like, God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to reach that city? Then we launched that church in April. Then I came to Manila for first time in July. So I came to the World Conference. And I came here and I saw this. It's like, wow, how can we do this? How can we do this? Now, on the way home, uh, my wife came and met me here and we went to the World Conference of Work. Way home, I was thinking, Lord, how could we win our town for you? How could we make an impact for your glory in our area? And the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me. says, you're a fisher of men. You're a fisher of men. You're a fisher of men. Fisher of men, sounds good. What do you want me to do? Well, guess what fisher of men do? What does fishermen do? No kidding. Yes, fishermen go fish. (laughs) What a great revelation. I'm like, wow, this is so good. I feel the presence of God right now. Fishermen, they go fish. Every fisherman have an actual fishing pond, and they go to that pond, and they go fish. And I start thinking, Lord, where is a good fishing pond for me to go fish? I need to win the city for you. Where is the most gathering of people? I start looking up on the internet, all the clubs in town, to see, you know, if there's a club with the most gathering. That's whatever club is, I was going to go to, you know. And, you know, most of these clubs were, like, small, like 50 people, 75 people, you know, you know, 300 people, not much. And I was about to close my laptop, and it caught my eyes. There's a club in town that have 11,000 members. 11,000 members. I said, where in, in the world is that? I clicked on that, and it says, Lifestyle Family Fitness. It's a gym. I said, Wow. The, it, that gym, I know exactly where the gym is, and, and it says 11,000 member. Now, you could tell I'm not a gym guy, you know. <laughs> so now I looked at my wife. I said, guess what? I'm going to start working out at Lifestyle Family Fitness. She said, you don't even go to the gym next to the house. Why would you drive 30 minutes to go to that gym? I said, because I have 11,000 members. I'm not going to go work out. I'm going to go work it out. I'm going to go there. That's going to become my fishing pond. So you know what? I I started going to the gym. You know, through some friends, you got a membership. I started going to the gym, and that became my fishing pond. I started going there three, four, five hours a day. You could tell I was not working out for five hours a day. What are you laughing at? Wow. I was working out one group of muscles right here. I was just talking to everybody, you know, meeting people, trying to connect. And one of the people that, you know, I started talking to was obvious to me. He was the manager at the gym. And and this guy was very haughty. You know, he was one of these people like, hey, I'm the man. I'm the man here, you know. And he walked around, you know, like, hi. You know, shaking everybody's hand like he's running for an office, you know. He parked, he parked his beautiful black BMW right up front, make sure everybody knows he's Mr. Success. And he was. He was the big dog in town, you know. He was Mr. Guy, I built this gym from nothing. 
And I started getting to know this guy. And it, it, during the time, it was the, it was the, revelation, it, the revolutions going on in Egypt. And he started asking me questions about the Middle East. And I started getting to know him. You know, we're having all these small conversations. And I started getting to know him. One day, I walked in his office. And, and, you know, I went to the wall right behind his desk. And I saw this picture. And I looked at the pictures like, you know, I looked at the picture. He was sitting right here in the office in the picture right here. I looked at him and said, nice Photoshop. <laughs> he looked at me. This guy had very different vocabulary than mine. If the sentence four words, three of them are cuss words. So he used some of his vocabulary. He says, what the blankety blank you think? I Photoshopped this? I said, it looks like it. That's you? Really? That's you? He said, yeah, I used to compete. So I looked at the picture. I looked at him and said, what happened? <laughs> you know what happened? He starts rolling his sleeve. I thought, oh man, he's going to punch me. You know? <laughs> he said, you know what happened? This happened. He have a hole right there. I said, what happened? He said, I was taking so much steroid to look like that, that I worked out so hard that the muscle blew up like a balloon. And he have a hole right there. I said, man, that looks bad. And he said, seven surgery later, I could actually use my arm. I said, wow, is that what you want it to be? He said, uh, not really. I said, what did you want to be? He says this. You know, the guy had the perfect line. He says, I wanted to be the dad that I never had and the husband that my mom never had. I'm like, wow, this guy got a good line. I'm supposed to be fishing. I hear this line. I know the bait got somebody. I'm here. Wow, that's good. I said, do you have any kids? He said, no, been married for three years. We don't have any kids. And we start talking. And one time I came to his office and I, was, I don't know why I was telling him the story. There's another guy in the high school where we're meeting. You know, he had two kids already. And for some reason, I felt like I met his wife for the first time. And I felt like I need to tell them. I said, you know what? You're going to have the third one. He said, oh, no, 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 no. We're done. We got a boy and a girl. We're done. I said, no, you're going to have a third one. I said, oh, no, we're done. We're fixed, whatever. You know, I said, no, you're going to have a number three. Now, the guy came back three months later. He says, do you remember when you met my wife and you told us you're going to have number three? She was actually pregnant when you tell her that. And we did not know. And we are, we're going to have number three. So I was telling this gym manager this story. He looked at me and says, do you believe in that stuff? I said, what stuff? Like somebody could tell you something like that and it happened? I said, oh yeah, I believe in that. <laughs> I said, really? I said, yeah. He said, well, we wanted to have kids, but we can't because all the drugs I put on my body, there's no way, the doctor says, there's no way I could have kids. I looked at him and said, you know, Having kids have nothing to do with you or your wife. The Bible says that the fruit of the womb is the blessing of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is the blessing of the Lord. And he looked at me and says, really? I said, yeah, it have nothing to do with you guys. He says, so what do I need to do? I said, it's very simple. You go home, you lay your hand on your wife's belly. And he says, in the name of Jesus, I bless your womb to be fruitful because the fruit of the womb is the blessing of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I bless your womb and talk to, to her belly like there's a child trapped in there and call it out. He looked at me like, 
like, really, you, you want to do that? Yeah, call it out. I said, call it out. Yeah, call it out. I said, okay. So that day we exchanged phone numbers. I gave him my number. He gave me his number. And he said, would you text me that prayer? I said, okay, I'll text you that prayer. You know. So it was like, go away. Everybody text me that prayer. You know. Then a few weeks later, I'm about to mow my grass and I hear this voice, I just had, you know, I put him on my prayer list. I start praying for him that God will reach him in his own miraculous power. And that God will bless them with a baby so he will know this is for real. I start praying for him on a daily basis. Now the next thing I know, I'm about to mow my grass and the Holy Spirit says, call this guy and tell him whatever medication that his wife is on, they need to stop because she's pregnant. I'm like... I'm not calling him, telling him that, you know. <laughs> For, I'm trying to build a report with a guy, you know. Now I'm going to call him, tell him that he's going to think I'm crazy. Now, one, what if she's not pregnant? Two, what if she's not on medication? What if she's on medication and she's not pregnant? What if she's pregnant and not on medication? No, I'm not going to do that. You know, so I just went on about my business. Later on, I heard the same voice. You know, call this guy and tell him that his wife is pregnant. says, so, you know what, I better be obedient. So I grabbed the phone, I called, I called him. He didn't answer. I said, thank you, Jesus. I, you, know, whew, whew, you know, I called, he didn't answer. I'm not leaving a guy a message. He said, you know, your wife is pregnant. You know, don't forget that. I went on with my day. That was a Friday. I went to church. Following Monday, I walk in the gym. And as soon as I walk in, he's standing there in the corner. He says, hey, did you call me Friday. I said, yeah, I'll talk to you about it later, later. <laughs> and he yelled across the gym, was it about my wife? I'm like, whoa, okay. He said, would you come to your office for a second? Uh, we need to talk. And so I, I met with him. I said, listen, you may think I'm crazy, but I was praying about you guys, and I felt like I need to tell you this, you know. Um, uh, you know, whatever medication your wife is on, she needs to stop because she's pregnant. He looked at me this serious look, like very serious. He said, do you know where we were when you called Friday? I said, no. He said, the reason I didn't answer you, we were at the doctor's office to start her on medication. And the doctor says, if we start you on medication and you may be pregnant, then that could kill the baby. So let's do a drug test, a pregnancy test. When they did the test, she actually is pregnant. So he said that, and I'm like, I'm like, wow. He said, but you know, this is no big deal because that happened before. It never really, it never works because all the drugs I put on my body. I said, did you pray the prayer? He said, yeah, I did. I said, then shut up. She is pregnant. He says, like, for real? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, you're going to have a baby boy. And I walked away. I went to work out. <laughs> now, I brought him with me today to tell you the rest of the story. Tom, would you come up here? So fill them in. What happened? Don't look at me and say what happened to my picture. But um, <laughs> let's, let's not talk about that one either. But Yeah, yeah. Put the picture back. No, the picture no. Back. Let's not do that. <laughs> no, never mind. But, you know, so when, when Pastor came into my office and told me that, 
that my wife was pregnant with a boy, I felt at that moment something in my heart started to change. I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really know much about Jesus. I knew Jesus was from the Middle East, so I kind of got a little scared <laughs> because I thought Jesus was coming back and, and I wasn't going with him. So that freaked me out a little bit. So he went and worked out and I'm just sitting there and I'm starting to sweat and I just don't know what's going on internally. And then he walked in my office. He said, before I leave, I have one question for you. And I said, what? And he said, do you want your son to turn out like you? And right then everything flashed before my eyes, you see, because I blamed my dad for where I was. When, when I was born, both of my parents were alcoholics. My dad was involved in harder drugs. There were five kids total. And for some reason, I was the one that didn't fit in. I was the outcast. Every time my mom got drunk from when I was this big, she would tell me that I was a mistake. So growing up, I wondered, why am I this mistake? My dad, I was never good enough. Whether it was eating dinner, watching TV, my schoolwork or sports, he made it every point he could to tell me I wasn't good enough. So my brother and sisters all were treated like gold, but I wondered why I was this outcast. And it led me down a very dark path in my life. I tried to self-medicate to deal with all of the hurt through starting to smoke weed, pornography, sex, whatever it was to help me medicate it. That's what I did. After high school, it got harder drugs, ecstasy, cocaine. And I was always trying to self-medicate this pain. I got arrested when I was 17 years, 18 years old. And I had a $35,000 bail. I was facing 35 to 40 years in prison. By the grace of God, I didn't know that then, but I didn't go to jail. The attorney ended up getting me off of it, and at that point, I went to the United States Navy. And once again, I became a part of a family. I became a part of something because this identity that I was searching for went through special ops training and all of that stuff, only to get kicked out two years later for smoking pot. I got arrested four or five more times in my 20s, early 20s. I started working for the company that Pastor talked about, Lifestyle Family Fitness. I was making $120,000 a year. But even money wasn't satisfying that hurt and that pain from when I was that big. So when he mentioned to me, do you want your son to turn out like you? It wasn't just a no, it was a oh no. It was a no, 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 no. And I remember that because my father was the reason why I was so hurt in my mind. So when I knew my son was coming into this world with a far worse dad, I lost it. I started bawling in my office. And I said, no, he said, then you'll meet with me once a week. And he started to meet with me once a week. And as he started to meet with me, the word of God started to come to life inside of my heart. I started to experience just really that I did have a father. That's right. That I had a father that loved me more than anything. That he gave his only son for me. And when I realized who Jesus was, and that I had an opportunity to ask this Jesus into my heart, and that I'd be able to serve him, I did. And from the day that happened, I felt every chain break off of my body. I chose to forgive my father, forgive my mother. I felt a release at that point. That's right. A release at that point. That made everything go away. You see, my entire life, I tried to medicate and get high to replace the hurt and the pain. But when I experienced the love of Jesus, I experienced there's no high in the world or if any drug right. that comes in with the presence of God. That when you get the presence of God, you experience something that no high could ever experience. 
So I became all in. I surrendered. I asked pastor, what do I need to do next? And he told me and I did it. I was like a robot. I, whatever you tell me to do, I want to do. Why? Because I wanted his life. I wanted the life of the people at the church. I wanted to be like them. My ways weren't the best way. So I listened and I obeyed. And God did bless me with a boy, little Tommy. He's three years old now. And not only that, he also gave me a daughter, Hannah Faith. And she's one. My doctor reports still say no children, but our God and our creator said something completely different. That's right. That's right. Praise God. Well, you know what? All this, I start meeting with Tom once a week. And every week, I'll take him through our foundation and try to explain to him how God could change a life. And he was changing him inside out. Now, few weeks later, my wife is coming in to work out at the gym. She has some change in her hand. And my wife just, you know, whatever, you know, she's one of these people just does whatever. And Tom is coming back from lunch and she has some dollars and some change in his hand. And she said, here, here, take this. And Tom says, well, what is that? She said, I feel like there's a promotion coming your way and I want to sow a seat toward your promotion. He would look like, what, you want me to buy a Coke? You know, she gave him some change. And she said, she just, she said, that's all what I have. And she went to work out. That afternoon at 3 o'clock, he got a call from his manager. He says, not only that you, you're going to be promoted, you're not only going to oversee the club you're in, but you're going to be the area director over five clubs. Now, the following day, I come back to work out. And Tom looked at me and says, what church do you guys go to? You know, see, the Holy Spirit knew exactly what to do with him. As we proclaim the gospel to him, the Holy Spirit starts doing sign and wonder in his life to show him that his word is true and that he is the living God that can do anything. Not only that he have a baby after a baby. You know, this is, this is what God want to do with my life and yours. He wants somebody that have the boldness to go to proclaim the gospel to somebody like Tom. Do you know how many Toms out there? Do you know how many times around you? Do you know how many people around me and you that God want to use us in this amazing way? So now, we started the church on one campus. Now, uh, Tom gets saved, radically saved. It was Halloween day, 2011. I prayed four hours of deliverance over him, you know, <laughs> casting out so many demons I didn't even know, you know. <laughs> then that day, he was radically transformed. A year later, I brought him with me to the Philippines for first time to see the big picture of what God want to do in our town. So he came with me to the Philippines 2012 to APAC, the same conference we're coming to. Now, after he came to APAC, the Lord spoke to him that he'll be in a full-time ministry. So he got home. He says, I'm ready to quit my job. I said, no, 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 you're not going to quit your job. No, no, no. I'm, I'm ready to go full-time. I said, I'll tell you what. You are the pastor of the largest church in town. You have 11,000 members that come to you. So you are the pastor of the largest church in town. You are a manager of a gym with 11,000 members. Why don't you start discipling people in your gym? 
He said, so what do you want me to do? I said, start doing one-to-one and start sharing the gospel with people. Now, Tom started a morning group, a morning before the gym opened, and, and, you know, the group between the group and group for lunch and group after work and after work of group and group between the groups, and it's kind of like group everything. And I was like, how, how many groups are you doing? He said, Pastor, I don't even remember. I'm, I'm doing like four or five groups a day. I said, that's great. So he kept asking me, when I'm going to go full-time? When I'm going to go full-time? I said, just keep winning your gym for Jesus. You are full-time. And you know what? When, when you are so busy doing the work of the ministry that you don't even have time to do your job, God is going to promote you to full-time. But, you know, people say, you know, I can't wait. I can't wait to be full-time. The truth is this. If you start now, If you start now wherever you are, God want to use you where he placed you. If he can't trust you with the two people that sit in the same room with you all day at work, how could he trust you with the whole town or the whole world, right? It starts small. And who's faithful with little, he will trust you with a lot more. Now, um, fast forward a year later, Tom did quit his job and came to be our campus pastor. And now, in two years, full-time ministry... We're no longer in one campus. He is in six campus full time every single day, reaching out to students. Now, tell them a little bit what you do now. Okay, I am on six campuses, and you know, it's. I just want to. I just feel led to say this real quick. Is the scripture pastor shared? It, it took them to act in faith. It took Peter to act in faith to sell, tell somebody to get up and walk. That's right. You know, it took pastor to act in faith. To tell me, to tell my wife not to start any medication. Well, when I went into full-time ministry, my wife was pregnant with our daughter, Hannah. And when God told me to go, it was 5 a.m. in the morning. It was, since the day I have got saved, I wake up at 5 a.m. from 5 to 6.30 and I get in the Word and in prayer. I need it every day to keep me going. So I remember hearing God saying, if you want me to use you the way I want to use you, you'll surrender everything. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> what are you talking about? And I remember hearing his voice say, why do you have that job? So I remember waking up my wife and saying, babe, um, and she's pregnant. So that's wake up a wife at five o'clock when they're pregnant. It's an absolute no. Don't so I'm like, I'm like, babe, listen, God's telling me to go into the full-time ministry and walk away from my job. She says, I seen what he's done in your life. Go for it. I'm like, wrong answer, wrong answer. Pastor Shaddy, I met with pastor and I told him. And that point, it took me stepping out in faith. And walking away from the career that I've known forever that's provided. We lost all health insurance. We lost all income. My wife didn't work and she was pregnant with our daughter. And God provided every single month, every need that we had. We experienced miracles in the area of finance over and over and over again as we stepped out in faith. Now in America, public schools aren't like, hey, we're coming to talk about Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, let's go. No, it doesn't work that way. You're not really allowed to. If you pray with somebody and it's caught, you'll see it in the newspapers. And there's a freedom from religion group that tries to shut it down, a group of high-profile atheist attorneys. So we were on one campus. And as I walked into these schools, I met with the principals, the coaches. And they were like, what do you want to do? I said, let me tell you my story. It's all I know. Who I was before I met Jesus, how I met Jesus, and who I am now. And I want to come reach your students because that's where I went wrong. And they opened the door. God said, okay. And I walked in and started talking about Jesus. I became the kicking coach for a football, American football team. 
I've never kicked a football in my life. All I know is talk about Jesus. So it shows, number one, how much they care about the kickers. But number two, it opened doors for me to talk about Jesus. I'm at the Seminole County Detention Center, which is a a jail for students under 18 years old. They can't go to jail jail because they're under 18. So I go there every week and share my story. I'm at Journeys, which is a school for students that get expelled from public school. I'm on that campus every single week. Then I'm on other high school campuses and two middle school campuses. Here's what I love about Tom. He says something earlier when we were talking over lunch. He says, every time I go to these school campuses, it reminds me who I used to be and that keep me humble before God and allowed his power to use me over and over and over again. And, and that's, that's a picture of who I am today and who you are today once you accept Jesus. Once you accept Jesus, God want to do something totally different. What God want to do is he wants you to be the channel for the Holy Spirit that demonstrate the power of God through other people's life by you. When you proclaim Jesus, when you start talking about the gospel with people, when you start taking people through one-to-one, and when you sit down there and you read these pages, guess who does the work? Guess who will go to work in your behalf and it changes the heart of man? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to book the appointment. Your job is to show up. Your job is to read through the thing, you know, one page at a time. How many of you know how to do one-to-one? Okay. Now, you see, everybody raises their hand. They know how to do one-to-one. You know what you want to do? You want to find somebody that know how to do one-to-one and says, would you do it with me? Would you do it with me? And once you do one-to-one, you go do it with somebody else. And what God can do through you, what God can do through me, this is exactly what happened with Tom. This is what happened. And more than ever, verse 12, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. God start adding many, many, many families to the church because Tom reaching the students on the high school campus. He reaches students on campus. The students really get transferred by the power of God. They invite their parents. The parents get saved on the church. Would you believe that? It's kind of like backwards, but that's how God does it. And every time we saw how God does it, it causes us to go more and more and more. Tom is a testimony of somebody. If you proclaim the gospel, the Holy Spirit will show up and does what you cannot do in your own power. Yes, I caused my wife to be pregnant. That's about it. But anyway, so guess whose work is that? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to say is this. God can do what is impossible to you once you claim his name to the multitudes. God can do what's impossible to you once you claim his name to the multitude. Now imagine, how many of you here, you believe you're a miracle worker? Now we're talking. Now we're talking. If you know Jesus, you're supposed to be miracle worker because this is what Jesus said. Thank you, Tom. Give Tom a big hand because... Praise God. Praise God. Great story. The Holy Spirit is his work in the background, like he was at work with Peter. They caused Peter's shadow to heal the sick because God is looking for an opportunity to show himself powerful and to show the power of the resurrection over and over and over. In John 14, 12, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do what? 
will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus says, if you believe in him, you will do the work that he did. Now, how many of you believe you're a miracle worker? Based on this verse. See, this is not some special gift. This is what we're supposed to do. Jesus lived on earth for three years. He says, boys and girls, here's the demo. What you will do when I send the Holy Spirit to you. Here's the demo. You will lay your hand on the sick and they will be healed. You will cast out the devil out of people and they will be set free. And the kingdom of God will be among you because you are a channel for the Holy Spirit. That's what God have in mind for your life. I don't know what you think, but there's no greater power. There's no greater fulfillment than watch God work through you to touch somebody else's life. There's no greater joy. There's no greater fulfillment than watch God use you to open somebody else's eyes. Watch God move through you to change the world around you. So some of you ask the question, what are we supposed to do with this? It's very simple. Come back for the rest of the series because they have a potential to cause your life to be radical. That's what you want to do. Two, keep inviting people to your victory group. Because just opening your mouth and invite somebody to your victory group will cause God to use this opportunity to do what He only He can do. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that caused the shadow of Peter to heal the sick, is the same power that we have access to right now through the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit. See, there's no small Holy Spirit, medium Holy Spirit, Large Holy Spirit and Grande Holy Spirit. You know, it's not Starbucks. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. He has not changed. He's not planning to change. And He's looking for people that says, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Use me for your glory. I want to be a channel for your power to touch my community. I want to be a channel for your power to speak truth to the people that are looking for your truth. I want to be a channel to your power to make the difference and be a world changer like you called me to be. Now, how many of you believe you are a miracle worker? You know, we started with about five people with their hands. This morning, we're sitting around the table having breakfast. And there's a guy sit right across from us right here. He's reading a book, and the book have have a picture on it that got my attention, but the book is in Chinese or some you know, some language I don't read. So I said, Where are you from? He said, I'm from Taiwan. I said, Oh, you're from Taiwan. That's great. What's the book about? He said, It's about democracy. I said, Wow, about democracy. Is this book talking about what true components that cause true democracy happen in the world? And he starts, well, what do you mean by that? And we start talking about what is true democracy and what the world is looking for. And he starts talking about, you know, true democracy really should allow true human rights. I said, what is human rights? And we start talking about human rights. We got into the human rights talk. And, you know, human rights is about, you know, people have the right for clean drinking water. People have a right to breathe clean air. I know this is challenging in Manila, but, you know, <laughs> but... Uh, it's human right. And anyway, so, um, you know, people have a right, 
women have a right to express themselves. They're not a property of men. Children have the right of protection. You know, all the human rights. Billions of dollars is raised and spent to make sure that people have human rights. So we're talking about true democracy allowed fulfillment of human rights. I looked at him. I said, you know what? Democracy at best anywhere in the world does not provide the simplest human rights to any human. In matter of fact, it deprived them from that right. He said, which one is that? I said, every human have the right to know God the creator. Every human have the right to know that the wages of sin is death. Every human have the right to know that one day you will stand before God and you'll be accountable for your own action. Every human have a right to know that a holy God loved you so much that he came to our world in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should live, a life of righteousness, and died the death that we should die because the wages of sin is death. Three days later, he rose again from the dead to prove that he is God and he can give eternal life to whoever believes in him. And now every human have a right to believe there's somebody called Jesus, loved them, died on their behalf to give them eternal life. Every human have the right to know that if they believe in Jesus, they have eternal life. The truth is this. That's human right. That's basics human right. We start talking like that. See, most of us maybe will come to church and maybe you know this right. Maybe you know your human rights. You know how much God loves you. You know Jesus died on the cross to pay the price of your sin. You know that you have eternal life, but you have not chosen to practice your rights. The way for you to choose to activate your rights is by accepting the gift that Jesus has given you. That's only by your choice. Nobody could make you do that. But it's your right to know that he actually paid the full price for your sin on the cross. Now, once you accept Jesus in your heart, it's your right to know that his Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is looking for people to allow the Holy Spirit to move through you to be the world changer that you're called to be. But you know, the sad part, I mean, look around the room. What will happen if half of us believed that the Holy Spirit want to move through you and actually give Him room to move in your life? What will happen to our community? What will happen to Manila area? What will happen to, to this area here, the south? What will happen to this region if half of us allowed the Holy Spirit to move through us? Could you imagine what it will be like for all these young people that believe by faith the story and allow the Holy Spirit move through you? What your nation will look like, what the world will look like if that many people allowed the Holy Spirit to move through you as much as Peter allowed the Holy Spirit to move through him. You know what keeps the Holy Spirit from moving through us? As simple as that. His Holy Spirit. He's holy. You know what holy means? Pastor earlier talked about that. He's a Holy Spirit. So how much purity are you allowing yourself to walk into for the Holy Spirit to move through you? See, the Holy Spirit could not move through somebody that Jesus is not Lord over their life. And lordship means this. 
He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He cannot be halfway in. If you want the Holy Spirit to move through you, you must be a person that's willing to abandon all the past, all the past life, and allow him to take you on a new journey. What happened in Thomas' life is not in Thomas' power to do, but it was in Thomas' will to do. means Tom was willing to allow God to change his life inside out. And the life he has today in Christ Jesus is nothing but a dream for most of people. Most people only could dream what God is doing in Thomas' life and how he's using him. And you know, you could look at him and say, wow, what a perfect life. Don't be, don't be fooled. No, it's not perfect. It's not storm-free life. But it's storm-proof life. If you don't know what that means, you need to go through one-to-one. <laughs> it will help you to understand how to storm-proof your life. So it doesn't matter what come against you, you have the power to overcome it and still continue to walk in the power that God meant it for you. Would you stand with me? Before we leave, how many of you says, I want to be a miracle worker? I truly want to be a miracle worker. Raise your hand before the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, only you could make this happen. Thank you. Thank you for you are looking for candidates. Lord Jesus, for every hand that is raised right now, that welcoming your presence, that welcoming your Holy Spirit, I speak right now with a wave of your move in the name of Jesus. Refresh every person standing right now. Fill them with your presence in the name of Jesus. I declare that we are people of God, a generation that's willing to stand and take our rightful place to be world changer for your glory. Holy Spirit, have your way in our life. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and put your hands down. How many of you, this is foreign to you you kind of like you know sounds good and dandy you know all your rights but you have not actually accepted that thing that whole jesus gift to you what he did on the cross before you become a world changer you must experience that change you yourself and the way for you to experience that change is a simple thing it takes somebody that is completely honest, says, I tried to change my life on my own. I could never do it. I tried to stop sinning on my own. I could never do it. And you're actually an honest person that when you heal the truth, you respond to it. If this is you, says, for first time in my life today, I want a new start with God. I want Jesus in my heart that actually cannot change me because I cannot change me. If this is you, wave at me. Just wave high so I could see you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Would you wave at me? I want to pray with you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, in the back. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you back there. Thank you, ma'am, right there. Another hand way in the back. I see you. Thank you. Praise God for that. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Back there. Yes, ma'am. Right here. Anybody else says, I want this fresh start. I want the Holy Spirit, I want Jesus himself come and change me inside out. Anybody in this section right here? This is the, yes, yes, ma'am, way back in there. Anybody else? Just wave at me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, sir. Right there. Anybody else? Yes, sir. In the back here. 
Anybody else? Anybody else today? It says, I want to start fresh. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, sir. Thank you for this hand. Sir, over there. Thank you. God bless you. These two hands right there. God bless you. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Okay, I tell you what. For everybody that is brave enough to raise their hand, would you make your way up here? Make your way up here. I want to pray with you. Come on. Come on. Just come out of your seat. Every hand. Everybody, you raise your hand. You're serious. You're dead serious about that. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. If you raise your hand, I want to pray with you right here. Come on up. Come on up. Everybody that's raised their hand, come on down. Come on down. Come on up. Come on up. Because this is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Jesus is here to give you a brand new start. Praise God. Praise God. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on down. Come on down this way. Come on down this way. Now, here's what I want to tell you. We all have to come to this point that we try in our own effort and actually we experience failure. It have to come to this point that I experienced failure that I could not change myself. And when I give up, try on my own, and I cry out to the one who can, this is when the power of God comes in my life and yours and the true change take place. So if you're serious, and I know you are because you made it all the way down here, I want to pray with you. Everybody in the house, would you stretch your hand toward all these people? These are amazing, brave people that's seeking a change in their heart right now. We're going to pray right now. And you could pray this prayer out loud with me, mean it from the bottom of your heart. And we all could pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I give up. I give up trying change my own life. From this day forward, I invite you in my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sin and I'm expecting you to do what only you can do. It changed my heart, God. Say it out loud. Say it like you mean it. Say it changed my heart, God. It changed my heart, Jesus. Make my heart brand new. In Jesus' name we declare, today is a new beginning. We give you all glory. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Praise God. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the world of changers. God want to use you in an amazing way. He want to change you so you can be a change to other people around you. Please don't leave until you meet with the team here because they have a great way to help you to take the next step. God bless you. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.